Happy 4th of July. What a day. Do you know that there were 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence? Men of conviction, men of bravery, gallantry. As a result of their conviction, unforced suffering were their lot. Their conviction resulted in untold sufferings for themselves and their families. All of the 56 men, five were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons in the Revolutionary Army. Another two had their sons captured. Nine of the 56 men fought and died from wounds, <coughs> excuse me, from wounds or hardship in the war. These men paid a price for freedom. We owe them a debt of gratitude. But my friends, the greatest price for freedom was paid at Calvary. The price Jesus paid for our ultimate freedom from sin and death. His sacrifice demands not only our gratitude, but our souls, our lives, and our all. The apostles lived dearly with a sense of gratitude and obedience to Christ and his command to proclaim the good news, the gospel of salvation everywhere. And in so doing, they suffered great persecution as we've been studying in the book of Acts. We have seen, we have been going through the book of Acts and seeing how passionate, how committed these apostles were in sharing the gospel. And they did so in the midst of severe persecution. So today, as we continue our summer series in the book of Acts, please turn with me to Acts 17, chapter 17, and let us read verses 16 through 34. Acts 17, 16 through 34, and this is the powerful word of God. Now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. So he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. And also some of the Epicurean and the Stoic philosophers were conversing with him some were saying, what would this idol babbler wish to say? Others, he seemed to be proclaiming a strange, strange deities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they, and they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, 
may we know what this strange teaching is you are proclaiming. For you are bringing some strange things to our ears. So we want to know what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. So Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe you, I observe you are very you are very religious in all respects. For what I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined the appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they will seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in days we for in him we live and, and move and have and exist. And even some of your poets, your own poets have said, For we are his children. Being then children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the act and thought of man. Therefore, Having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard this, now when they have heard of the resurrection of the dead, some began to snore, but others said, we shall hear you again concerning this. So Paul went out of the amazed, but some joined him and believed. Among whom were Daniel Sears, the apple Areopagy, and the woman in Damaris, and others with them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for a passage, what a man of God in the midst of strangers, in the midst of idols. Father, teach us why we are to learn from this. Please, Lord, sanctify these truths to our hearts. I will be changed and do your will 
In Jesus' name, amen. I am honored compulsion, for woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. It was the Apostle Paul who penned these, these words, and we see him time and again, over and over, living out these words, don't we? In chapter 16 of Acts, a vision appeared to him in the night, a man from Macedonia appeared, appeared to him, appearing to him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And Paul concluded that God had called him and his team to preach the gospel in this region. He joined to Philippa, Thessalonica, Berea, and now he's in Athens. In all of these cities prior to Athens, mob crowds were seeking to take his life for preaching the gospel. And he was hurriedly escorted to Athens, leaving Silas and Timothy behind. Now we see him preaching. Paul preaches in Athens. He got an opportunity to preach in this all-important city. We was known then as, as the creator of Western civilization. Uh, it, was a, it was the center of learning, of art, and of philosophy. So we see four things in Paul's presentation, his message to these people. First, we see his compulsion to preach the gospel. Look at verses 16 um, to 21. I'm not going to read all of that, but why Paul was waiting for them, Silas and Timothy, in Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. Paul was waiting for them, walking around, and as he walked around, everywhere he turned, there was an altar to an idol. A city full of, there was temples, statues, and the Bible says here, the text says, his spirit was stirred up, provoked, compared to confront the people with the gospel. Now, during this time, at a particular time in Athens, there were 30,000 altars to idols. 30,000. And guess what? The city had only 10,000 population, 10,000 people, with 30,000 idols. For example, there was an idol to Athenian, the goddess of wisdom, who the city was named after. Hermon, the god of protection. Artemis, the god of skills in warfare. And Zeus, the god of courage. And just name it. Anything you think of, there was an idol. So poor spirit was provoked. The word provoke here means to be compared to do something. He was compared to preach the gospel immediately. 
And I wonder whether we treat soul winning with such compulsion and urgency. I think we should do that because all around our souls are perishing as we go to work on the bus in your office. Do we feel compelled? Do our souls stir up within us when we hear conversation that are not glorifying to God? We know these people are unbelievers. Does something happen within us to, to just engage them? Paul could not allow this to go. So he was compared to preach the gospel. There was a sense of urgency. So he met the people even in the marketplaces, in the synagogue, preaching, preaching Jesus and the resurrection. He met ordinary people. He met God-fearing Jews. And you know, Paul's practice was to present the gospel wherever he could find an audience. We notice that about Paul. Wherever he found an audience, he was ready to share the gospel. And the text said he even met with philosophers. There were two rival schools in this place. In Athens, there were two rival schools of philosophy. There were the Epicureans and the Stoics. It's just that taking you from now and just set you in the auditorium of Harvard University and they say, you know, present the gospel. <laughs> just something, just fun. But these were intellectuals. The Epicurean believed that pleasure, pleasure was the chief goal of life. Eat, drink, and be merry. That was their goal in life, pleasure. They also believed at death, a man ceases. There is no afterlife. They believe in the gods, but they believe that the gods do not interfere with human affairs. You God, they do their, gods do your thing, we do our thing. God is not involved in human affairs. That's, that's their philosophy. That's their belief. The Stoics, on the other hand, believe that good lies in the soul itself. Which through wisdom and restraint deliver a man from passion and desires. Passion and desire that disturb ordinary life. So they had no time for pleasure. The emphasis was on man's rational ability, strength of the mind and body is the chief. They believe in endurance, unbreakable. They have no time for weaklings. They were strong. So they met Paul and they began to mock him. Uh, as the way he was speaking, he was not speaking uh, with the necessities of the philosopher of his day. Uh, and so he called him a, a babbler. What does he have to say to us? Uh, but he's preaching Jesus and the resurrection, and they start mocking and laughing. And this happened to uh, one preacher. Um, uh, they call him Martin Lord Jones. 
when he went to uh, Oxford University to preach to the student body. And uh, after his message, one of the students got up and he said, Reverend Jones, I, I admire your message today, but I tell you the truth, this message is suited to farmers, agricultural laborers, and not to educated people like us. And all his friends started laughing. <laughs> Supporting his joke, his mocking of, of Martin Jones. Uh, so Martin Jones got up and responded to the young man. He said, to the effect, to the effect that uh, he said, students were just ordinary people in human clay and miserable sinners, like everybody else. So their needs were precisely the same as those agricultural laborers. And there was a silence in the place because it struck a point. And after a pause, the whole student population gathered in an applause, clapping for the man of God. The message of the gospel is for everybody. It's for everybody. Some schools are teaching people how to meet intellectual, but what do you mean an intellectual or somebody from the street? Just present Christ. The gospel is powerful. The death, burial, and the resurrection, the gospel is the same for everyone. So Paul was brought in front of these people, these philosophers. And um, these were the council, or judicial council on religious matters, as it were. Uh, like the um, Roman Senate. And look at verse 19. And when they took him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this teaching which you are proclaiming. Now, Paul is ready to present his message. Look at his strategy or his approach. So Paul stood in the midst of the people, these intellectuals, and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respect for why I was passing through and examining your objects of worship. I found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. Paul had a connecting point. A cultural entry into the hearts and minds of his audience. He had something that was practical and relevant to them and that could readily gain their attention. What? You mean a God we don't know? A statue? That's what you want to say? Because there's a story that there was a plague in Athens some years ago. 
and people were dying everywhere. People were dying, just like the pandemic. And they will go to this God and pray. No answer. They will go to this God and pray. No answer. All the gods they were just crying. And someone suggested, you know what? There may be an unknown God that we do not know. Let's construct a statue to him. And the story went on to say, when they built that statue, there was calm. The plague went away. People stopped dying. So friends, as we seek to share the gospel, let us do so with practical cultural relevance. What is happening around us? Our message must have application to the needs and conditions of the people we meet. And that's why Jesus used stories, he used illustrations to connect to the people. Their real needs and conditions. We have a prayer group, a growth group, and, and during the whole of last year, one of our main prayer points was that the church will be active and relevant in this hour, in this season. That the church will meet the people, their needs, and that there will be a worldwide revival because the church presence will be evident, will be felt. That was the aim of our prayer group, that the church will seize the opportunity for the gospel. And that's what Paul did. His emphasis in his message is preaching, in preaching to the people. And as he got this opportunity, was what they already have been grappling with. Who is this unknown God that we worship? And this is where Paul comes in. An opportunity to preach to them concerning the one true God that they did not know who could be known. Look at verses uh, 24 onward. He, he declares to them God's sovereignty and man's dependency. Look at verse 24 quickly. Verse 24. Uh, I want you to see how Paul started this. Um, in verse 24, the God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with human hands. Paul declares the sovereignty of God and man's dependency. God is creator of the universe. He created the world. He is Lord of heaven and earth. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. He does not therefore dwell in temples made with hands, all these, 
authors think. Solomon realized that when he stressed the point, this point, as he prayed in the dedication of the temple, will God indeed, will God indeed dwell on earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain him. How much more, how much less this house that I have built? He also told them God is the sustainer. He gave to all human breath and all the need. Psalm 36, one says, with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see. He also told them God is the ruler of nations and determines their rise and fall. And in Daniel 4, 17, he said, the most high is ruler over the reign of, ma of mankind. God is the father of mankind. We come from him, and in him we live and move and have our being. Job 12, 10 says, in whose is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. And God is judge of the world. He will judge the world in righteousness. And after Paul, I introduce the true God of heaven and earth. He issued an appeal to them. His appeal. Paul's appeal to the people is that they should repent. Repent. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to all men, all people everywhere, that they sh should repent. Because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. So Paul tells the Athenians what they must do because of who God is. What ignorance he may have overlooked in the past, such was no longer this, the case. He commands men everywhere to repent because of the coming judgment that he has appointed Jesus Christ, whom he raised from the dead, to judge. And God has given the proof by the resurrection. Now Paul had introduced the true God and his coming judgment through Jesus Christ. So what was your reaction to this message? I think Paul did a good job leaving no stone unturned to present the creator of the heaven out to them in contrast to the God they did not know that they were worshiping. Verses 32 and 34, now when they heard of the resurrection of, from the dead, resurrection of the dead, some began to snare him, mock him, laugh at him. Friends, don't be surprised when we share the gospel and we've seen that several times on 69th Street here. 
Some people even grabbed all the trash we have and, and trash it and trash it in the in the in the in the trash can or, or in the streets. Don't be surprised. But others said, We shall hear you again concerning this. So Paul went out of their midst. But some men joined him and believed. Amen. Some men joined him and believed. And guess among whom? One of the judicial councilmen of the Areopagus, Dinasius, became a believer on that day. And a woman named Tamaras and others with him. What a day for Paul, and what a day for the gospel of Christ in this great city. The unknown God whom they worship in ignorance has been made known. Darkness is removed and the light has come. God's amazing grace has appeared. Thank God for Dionysius and Timaras and others who were convicted by the Holy Spirit and believed the gospel message. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I once was lost, but now I'm found. What a joy I was running through those people who accepted Christ. For years they have been in the darkness, but now the gospel light has appeared, and they have found Jesus Christ. Amen. The gospel presentation was not in vain. So let me just give you a few takeaways from this message today as I conclude in this wonderful passage. People, number one, people are living in ignorance of our God, the true God and his Christ. God is Son who gave his life that all should be saved. So the church has work to do. The church has work to do. In Africa, there are many, many, many towns with the village gods. And I know the same way with India, all around the world, people are still searching for the true God, worshiping idols. The church has work to do. Here in Upper Derby, we have work to do to share the good news. You cannot go to these places, but you can support missionaries. You can send home mission team, I mean foreign mission teams. Like we got share with you the patterns who were in this remote place and the, the, the the trash men came to kill them because they were preaching Christ. Secondly, as we share the gospel, let us pray that we will be practical and relevant as far as the cultural conditions and circumstances of the people are concerned. Let us seek to know what is happening in our communities, in our immediate neighborhoods, 
and use that as a point of connection in presenting the gospel. Let us get all of our warm homes and step in the street, walk around and look. If I were to ask you if God were looking down on Philadelphia, what would he see? Will you see the nice buildings, the fine uh, uh, places? No, God will see lost sinners, souls, looking for him, crying, hungering after him. God won't look at the beautiful places. I went to one of the cities that are called the, the most beautiful city in the world, Singapore. But God will not look at Singapore, the cleanest city in the world. God will look at lost souls. And that should be our concern. Walk around your neighborhood. Talk to your neighbors. Engage. Develop friendship. That will serve as a connection to share the gospel. And thirdly, let us live with a Maranatha mindset. Jesus is coming soon, friends. The judgment is near. Let's develop a sense of compulsion and urgency in sharing the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us not just be unconcerned. Thank God, Wali Aman and Shebu, Omar and others down by were mentioned earlier in the prayer, Pastor Mike prayed, but they shouldn't be the only ones. We all should have that sense of compulsion and urgency and to know Jesus is coming soon. Come, Lord Jesus. So I pray that we take into consideration Paul's emanation to Timothy. Preach the word. Be ready in season, all of season. Reprove, rebuke, exalt with great patience and instruction. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, help us. Help us, first of all, to dethrone all the idols of our own hearts. The idols of our hearts, Lord. Do we love you more than these? What are those things, Father, that we love more than you? You say, love God with all your heart, your mind, soul, and strength. Father, forgive us for loving things and people more than you that have become idols upon our hearts. Oh God, help us to trust you more than trusting people. We read that in Jeremiah, woe is the who trusts in man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, mind, and strength. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean now in your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledging. Who do we trust more? Who, do, who are we depending on more than you, O God? Detrone those idols from our hearts. Give us a sense of urgency and compulsion in sharing the God. glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, our loving Lord, who paid that price, that cruel price, that we might have life. Let us be compared today to proclaim the gospel in Jesus' name. Amen.